Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. You may have picked up on the fact that I'm not from here. Um, I've known your pastor, Joel, for about five years now. Uh, I met him at Stone Baptist, uh, was here on a missions effort uh, about five years ago, give or take, and I got to meet some of the wonderful people at Stone. And uh, I was coming back through this way, and Pastor Joel said, hey, why don't you uh, just come and spend some time with us, and I'll even let you preach. I think he just wanted the day off, is what I think. But uh, anyway, it's good to to be here. Um, uh, It's just good to be back in the UK. I've been coming to the UK on and off since 1990, and I I just love it here. And uh, I want to thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. Today we're going to talk about courage, and uh, we're going to be in John 16. Uh, I'm only going to read from two verses out of John 16, but I encourage you this week to read the chapter in its entirety. Uh, Let me lay the backdrop for this uh, chapter for you. Uh, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. And he's getting ready to leave. And he's telling them some things that are going to be happening to them. He's giving them some warning, some exhortation, and some encouragement. And so we're going to read a couple of verses out of there. And then we're going to look at three passages I've picked to explain for us why, as Christians, we can have courage. Uh, The first passage we'll talk about is 1 John 1, 9, and we're going to talk about how we're forgiven. And then I'm going to go to Isaiah 41 and read a couple of verses out of there that talk about how the Lord himself will help us and he's with us. And then we'll end in Joshua 1.9 with the fact that the Lord commands us to not be afraid and to have courage. And then I've got a final verse that we'll close with in Philippians 4 that gives us some encouragement. So I want to begin this morning by defining for you what courage is. When we talk about courage, there's a lot of things we could say. One of the words that came up in the thesaurus when I looked at it was brave or bravery. And I think that's a good word. But I like this definition that I found. And it says this, to have courage means that you are not deterred by danger or fear. Now, before we get into the passages that I have, let's talk about fear for just a moment. Fear is a tricky thing, and it's easy to say, don't be afraid. But it's hard to not be afraid. And sometimes a little bit of fear is okay. For instance, I have a natural fear of electricity. It serves us well, but I'm not an electrician. It scares me enough that I'm not going to go and do something with it, and I respect it enough that I'm not going to try to poke a stick or something inside an outlet to see what happens. I know that something bad could happen, and so I have some natural fear there. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about fear of our surroundings, fear of our circumstances. I don't know about you, but as I look at the news every day, There are plenty of things for us to be afraid of or have fear about or to have discouragement about. 
But here's what I want to say on that at the outset of the sermon is that God has a better way for us, which is to have courage and not have fear. Let's go to John 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I want to read for you verses 32 and 33. They're the last two verses of the chapter. And it says this, Jesus says this, Behold, the hour is coming, and indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world." Can we all agree that in the world we have tribulation? Oh my goodness, uh, look at what's happening in Ukraine. And even before the Ukraine situation happened, when we look across what's happening in uh, all of the world, we have tribulation. Uh, the world is not getting better. As the world drifts farther and farther away from Christ, it's not getting better, it's getting worse. But here's what Jesus says, don't focus on what you have in the world, which is tribulation. Focus on what you have in me, which is peace. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me. Now, we'll say this, the only source for true peace, the only source for true peace is Christ. It's not another person. It's not a situation at work. It's not more income. It's not a better place to live. It's not better health. As a matter of fact, I have known people who have loads and loads of money and are healthy, but they do not have peace and they're discouraged. Those things do not give us peace. They do not encourage us. They can be blessings from the Lord, but the only source for true, true, true peace is not even in our spouse or our children or our friends or our other family. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Nobody else has gone to the cross for you. Nobody else has shed their blood for you so that in them you can be forgiven and cleansed of all unrighteousness. Nobody else has gone someplace and built a dwelling for you that will exist in all of eternity Nobody else can provide you with a perfect body once you are passed away from here. Nobody else can give you strength to overcome your sin and trials and tribulation. Nobody else. And if you're looking to somebody else or something else, then you're committing what we call idolatry because Jesus is the only one. That gives us tremendous courage. For instance, last night, in the middle of the night, while I'm sleeping, the Lord is not sleeping, and he is watching over me. He's watching over you. He allowed me to wake up this morning. He allowed you to wake up this morning. He allowed me to be in this beautiful place. And even though I'm missing my family right now, later on this morning when they wake up, <clears throat> he's going to allow me to talk to them and see them on the on the phone and say hello. He, he provides blessings for us. He watches over us. He takes care of us. That gives us courage. Now I'd like to invite you to turn to 1 John 1.9. For me, this is one of my greatest sources of courage and encouragement. And it says this, If we confess our sins... 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It does not say some unrighteousness or some of our sins. It says all. Now, in the Word, one of the the, the titles that is given to the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Now, I don't know about you, but I've not been saved my whole life. I have several years before I came to Christ in faith and confessed my sins and believed in him and was saved. It was several years before then. And during that time, I did some things that I'm not proud of. Even after I have accepted the Lord and walk with him, I still continue to sin. If you tell me you don't sin, you're a liar. The word says that. We all sin. And the devil likes to remind us of our sin. He likes to accuse us. Uh, Even as we were praying and Pastor Joel was praying before I came up, the devil was whispering in my ear, you're not really qualified. He does this every time I preach. I've preached for years and years and years now. Since 1986, I've been preaching. And every time I preach, right before I preach, the devil taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, remember when you did that? What's he trying to do? He's trying to take away my courage to come up and deliver the word of God. But I have faith in the fact that I have already confessed that sin. I've confessed my sins this morning to the Lord. I have asked him for forgiveness. What does the word say happens when we do that? It says he provides forgiveness for all of our sins which means he blots them out, he removes them, he erases them, he takes them away, and then he cleanses us from all unrighteousness so that through him and by him we can stand before him in confidence with courage, and we can face life with courage because we are forgiven. I have a question for you this morning. Are you forgiven? If you said the Lord can't forgive me of what I've done, you don't know what I've done, I can't be forgiven for that, then you're challenging God and saying to him, what you say to me is not true. Because he says, if you confess to me your sin, I will be righteous and faithful and I will be just and I will forgive you of that sin. I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of encouragement. It it provides courage for me. Number two, Isaiah 41, verses 10, and I'm going to read verse 10 and 13 again, both in 1 John and in Isaiah and John 16. Later this week, I encourage you to spend time in those chapters at length whole. As a matter of fact, you can read the entire book of 1 John in probably 20 minutes, and it'd be a great devotion for you. But go back later and read these passages at length, but I want to point out to you in Isaiah 41, verse 10, and then we'll do verse 13 as well. It says this, fear not. Now he's going to give us a reason. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. 
Now that gives me a lot of courage. Now listen, I like to fly. I love to fly. As long as the air is smooth. When the airplane encounters turbulence, and maybe you've flown in turbulence not, uh, not too long ago, right before COVID hit, I had the opportunity to travel to Guam in the South Pacific to do some mission work there. And we had the fun time of flying between two typhoons. And I'm here to tell you, I thought that airplane was going to come apart in the sky. And I was fearful. And if you say, oh, don't be afraid, I challenge you to go back in time and ride that airplane flight because I thought the wings were going to snap off the airplane. I was afraid. I'm flying home to the States on Tuesday morning out of London, and already I'm a little bit nervous about, Lord, please don't let there be any storms or rough wind because I don't like the turbulence, right? I'm confessing to you, I'm fearful of that. Here's what happens every time that happens. I go to this verse I just read for you, and I begin to walk through it. And I begin to walk through where the Lord tells me, don't be afraid, because I'm with you. Now, he's with us here in this room. We know that. But he's also with me when I'm in the airplane. He's with me and you when we're sleeping in our beds at night. He's with us when we go to work, when we uh, go out to lunch, when we do whatever we're going to do, when we face a difficult situation, when we have a loved one who's sick or we have to go to the doctor and we're afraid to get fearful news. That's another area where I struggle with fear. Uh, Twelve years ago, I had a, a pretty big heart attack. And every year when I have to go see my cardiologist, I have what? Anxiety. I have fear because I'm fearful that I'm going to hear bad news. What does the Lord say to me when I pray about that? Vince, don't be afraid. He doesn't say you're not going to get bad news. He says, don't be afraid because I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take hold of your hand and I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. And he says, fear not because I'm the one who helps you. Now, I've been married to my sweet wife, Candy, for 31 years. And when she knows what I go through when I go through the doctor, and she will come with me, and she helps me. And I'm grateful for that, and I love her for that. But she can't help me in the same way the Lord does because she didn't make my heart. He did. And she doesn't hold me in her hand the way that he does. So one of the ways that we can have courage is because we know that the Lord is our God. He tells us not to be afraid because he's going to be with us, and he holds our hand and he helps us. Now, go to the third one, if you will, and this is in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And again, I'm going to encourage you to read all of Joshua, read all of chapter 1. Here's what's happening. Moses has died. Now, how would you like to follow Moses? I don't know if you've been in a job or volunteered at an organization or been somewhere where you follow a person, you're, you're filling a vacancy, and the person who held that office before you got there, that position, was someone who was very well thought of and revered and honored. I had that one time in my ministry, and it took me several years to, to work past the shadow of the person before me. How would you like to follow Moses? 
We're talking about the guy that was at the burning bush. We're talking about the guy that came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, the law. We're talking about the guy who raised his staff and, and the Red Sea was parted. The guy who went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Uh, you can read about all of that in Exodus. Uh, and I encourage you to do that. But here's what's happening. Moses is dead. And so Joshua now has been raised to the leader of Israel. As a matter of fact, one of the first things that God says in the first few verses of Joshua is Moses, my servant, is dead. And what he's telling Joshua is, he's gone. You're the guy. You're my man now. Well, here's what he tells him. He says this, Have I not commanded you, in verse 9, Joshua 1, 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? It's a command from the Lord. He tells us to do it. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Those are big words. Commanded. That's a big word. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. Uh, God is not simply giving us feedback. He is telling us, do not be afraid. Do not have fear, but be strong and courageous. But he also provides the way for us to do that. He's not telling us to do something that we can't do. We can't do it on our own. What he's telling us is do this and I'm going to help you do it. And I love the part where it says wherever you go. I'll never forget, I joined the U.S. military. I ran out of money for college, so I needed money for college, and so I thought one day it'd be great to go on an adventure. A few weeks later, when I was in boot camp, I thought that was the dumbest decision I've ever made. But it worked out very well. And six months after I got out of boot camp, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, and next thing I know, I'm in the Middle East, never have been that far away from home before, with people I didn't know in a combat zone, and I'm going to be honest with you, I was fearful, but I had a job to do. But the Lord, guess where he already was? He was already there. And so when I went there, he went with me. And he gave me the ability not to be afraid and to have courage and trust in him. So this leads me to my closing these are wonderful things that we've talked about, but what do we do when we face a situation and we have fear and our courage falters and we become discouraged? What do we do? Well, the Lord in his love provides for that as well. And here's our closing chapter or our verse. I want you to go to Philippians in the New Testament. Go to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 6 and 7. Now again, this is Paul's letter written to the church in Philippi. You can read this entire book of the Bible in just half an hour, and it contains so much rich truth from God for us, and not just for you individually, but for the church as a whole. And I encourage you to spend time reading in that this week. And you say, that's a lot of reading. I can't do that. Yes, you can. 
If you make it a priority and be intentional about spending time with the Lord, you can read these verses or these chapters that we're talking about here, and they will change your life. But here's what it says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. First off, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. It doesn't say, don't be anxious about the little things, but you can be anxious about the big things. No, it doesn't say that. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with, here's the key word, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then what's going to happen? Here's what it says in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the next time you face something and it causes you to have fear, it causes you to have anxiety, it causes you to have doubt and worry, and it causes you to be discouraged, here's what you do. You go to the Lord, and in prayer, with thanksgiving in your heart, you tell him all about it. Let your requests be made known to him. Here's the thing. He knows your requests anyway because he's God. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's everywhere. He knows everything. But what he wants from you more than anything else is a relationship let me, let me put it in the terms of a marriage relationship. Maybe not everybody's married, but those of you who are will understand this. I may know, or my wife may know, uh, l- let me give you an example. Several years ago, my grandmother passed away, and I was very close to her. There was a time as a young man <clears throat> when I got out of school before I was married, when my grandfather was very sick, that I went to live with my grandmother to help her. And we already were close, but in those couple of years where I lived with her until my grandfather passed away, uh, and then I got married, we became even closer. And when my granny, I called her granny, when my granny died, I was married, and my wife Candy knew that I was having grief, and that I was saddened, and that I was almost distraught because the person who I was closest to outside of my mother and my wife had passed away. And I loved my granny so deeply that I was distraught. But my wife knew that. But when I came to her and shared with her those feelings, and we cried together, and we hugged together, and we prayed together, our relationship was strengthened. That's what the Lord, that's just a a little limited, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Limited analogy of what God can do for us. But what the Lord wants most from us is a deep relationship. He knows you're afraid. He knows you're discouraged. He knows you have anxiety. He knows you have fear, doubt, worry. What he wants you to do is bring that to him with thanksgiveness in your heart, what are you thankful for? You say, if I'm having doubt, fear, worry, what am I thankful for? Well, look around. You're going to come up with things to be thankful for. Even on that airplane going to Guam where I was afraid something was going to happen, I had thankfulness in my heart that I even had the opportunity to take the gospel to the island of Guam. 
And I was thankful for my family. And I was thankful for the fact that if the plane came apart, and I did plunge to my death in the Pacific Ocean, as I was imagining in my mind, that as soon as my life passed, I was going to be before the Lord and with the Lord, and then he had prepared a place for me. And then I was going to go and have a perfect body, and I was going to be reunited with my loved ones who've gone on before, and I was going to get to see Jesus. So I came with, yes, fear, doubt, worry, mixed with gratitude. And then all of a sudden, then what comes? The peace. And you may not be able to just do it one time and you have peace forever. You have to do it continually. And it's an exercise that you have to go through. But it deepens your relationship with the Lord and it builds your faith. So that the next time the fear, doubt, and worry come, you're like, I know what to do. I don't get my peace through things that man has made and things that this world offers. I get my peace and my courage from the Lord. I get the ability to not be deterred by danger or fear, and I get bravery from the Lord, in the Lord, through the Lord, to do what he wants me to do. Well, that's what I wanted to say this morning. That's the message that the Lord put on my heart for you this morning. I hope it's been encouraging for you. Um, and if there's any way that I can pray for you or Pastor Joel, let us know. And uh, it's been good to be with you this morning. May we close in prayer? Father God, thank you for our time together. Lord God, together here at Ainsford, but also connected through technology to to stone, Father God, we unite together in prayer before you. And Lord, we acknowledge your holiness. Lord, before you this morning, we confess that we are sinful people. The very best among us is a filthy sinner. But Lord, because what you have done on the cross, Lord Jesus, because you came to this earth and it was prophesied long ago, and you came to this earth as the Messiah, you lived a perfect life. You were murdered on the cross and shed your blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and you were resurrected from the dead, and you now reside in heaven. And Lord Jesus, we praise you this morning. Father God, we ask that you forgive us of our sin. Lord God, many of us who are here gathered today have fear and doubt and worry, and they're discouraged, and they lack courage. But Father God, your word has a better way for us. And so Lord, we confess to you our sin. We ask for forgiveness. We know that you are with us, that you hold our hand, and that you will help us. We, in your strength, with your ability, we are strong and courageous. And Lord God, we ask you for peace today. Father God, those who are dealing with illness or COVID today, I pray for your healing hand upon them. And I pray for my friend, Pastor Joel, that you will give him wisdom that comes from you as to how to lead this church and pastor this community and that you will bless him and Natalie and that you will heal Natalie of COVID, Father God, and that you'll heal our lands from COVID. And we ask this in your name. Amen.